when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. I'm Sari Delamont, the attorney whisperer. Glad to be with you today. If you have not been following in order, last week I launched the first in a series of three podcast episodes, three special podcast episodes, um, talking about the idea of how we can change our relationship with our clients, meaning how we hold the plaintiff themselves and that relationship. You know, the From Hostage to Hero method is all about freeing people. <laughs> first, freeing the jury from their hostageness. That's where it all started. I wouldn't say that's the first thing you do, but I mean, that's where it started. And then really that leads to, well, you have to be free and get free of all your bullshit thinking in order to be able to do that. And now we're really looking at how does this apply to your client and how do we free your client from their hostageness? So you might want to go back and listen to last week's episode before you listen to today's episode, which is all about how to empower your clients, because that's going to give you a great foundation for where I'm coming from. So let's talk about this. Let's dive in um, right away. This episode might be a little shorter than last week, which was kind of a long one for me, but um, uh, it was very important for me to really dive deep into the concept of how we tend to hold our clients as broken and how by doing that, we cause ourselves a lot of problems. First, we create a dependency model. Second, we we rob our clients of agency when we do that. And third, we create an identity for them as a broken individual. So when we're talking about this, this concept of, of not holding our clients as broken and in, instead of disempowering them by, by seeing them through that lens, what I really want you to get is that they are not broken. <laughs> I think that's the biggest hurdle that we have to come up, we have to overcome is that we have a sense of what is quote unquote normal and everything else that falls outside of that is either is quote unquote abnormal. And I think the the um disabled community has done so much work for us here in really recognizing that there is no such thing as normal. There is All of it is normal. We are a variety of different abilities and that that is a beautiful thing. Now, of course, that's a bit different when we're talking about someone who has uh, been robbed of a physical capability that they had had and no longer have. Uh, but that, but it all is really in, in the same vein of that who we are cannot be taken away from us when we are injured physically or otherwise. That's the thing that we really need to understand is what makes up a human being. We are not asking the jury to award money or allow money, like I like to say, I hate the word award, it sounds like a prize, but to allow money in their verdict because our 
our client is so awful now and you, you don't you feel sorry for how terrible they are and how broken they are and at least money will make them feel better hell no that's not what we're doing and I don't know many of you would agree with that you would say I don't I don't do that but you do do that when you don't recognize or when you don't hold your client as perfect as they are right now has something been taken yes that's why we are navigating the legal system with our client because what we're trying to do is have that right or have that wrong be righted, okay? It's like the the wallet analogy I used in the last episode. If someone takes your wallet, they damn well better give it back. But taking your wallet doesn't change who you are in terms of your humanness, okay? It may present challenges. It may mean you can't do certain things that you used to do before without your wallet, but it does not fundamentally change who you are. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about the benefits of holding your client as whole and perfect as they are now. Because I think this is such a radical concept, although it shouldn't be, that it bears pointing out how this serves both you and your client. You know, in the last episode, we talked about how it's a problem to hold them broken. But here, let's talk about how it serves you and them to hold them as whole and perfect as they are now. First off, how it serves them is it provides them healing. Money can help, of course. Money can do a lot of things. But money does not heal. It never has and it never will. I just want to say that again. Money cannot heal. Because what's really been taken is not a leg, is not a life, is not the inability to hold your baby because your arm is no longer functioning or whatever it might be. What has really been taken from these individuals is their identity. They believe, without you saying it, that they are broken. They are no longer who they were. And they don't know who they are. And that, my friends, is the the saddest thing of all, is that we continue to keep them there when we hold them as broken. But when we hold them as whole and perfect, what we can provide in our small way, is healing. So many of you got into this profession to help people. It's not about the money for you. I know that. I see that firsthand. And you know what? You've heard me talk about this before. It's not about the money for the client either. So many of them want someone to hear what's happened to them, to validate their experience. They want to be heard and they want to be seen. And I'm suggesting they also want to reclaim their identity. It's going to be a new identity for sure. But don't you think as someone who sees them at the beginning of this process in most cases that you have an incredible amount of influence in how they begin rebuilding their lives? And that's not just by helping them get compensated monetarily because again, money can't heal. It can't. It can offer a lot of things, but it doesn't offer healing. Because you can give someone $30 million 
uh, because they were having to be, they were put in a, a wheelchair. But if they still view themselves as broken, that's going to affect them the rest of their lives. That money's going to mean nothing to them. Now, I'm not suggesting that it is your job to heal, that it is your job to make this right for them. We're going to talk about boundaries in the next episode. But what I am suggesting is that by holding your clients as perfect and whole as they are today, and by approaching trial as an opportunity to equal the scales, to right a wrong, to get back the wallet that was stolen, is going to help your clients stand in their power and empower them. So the first thing that you need to understand to be able to empower your clients is that they need to be seen as whole as they are. Seeing them as broken does not serve them because it doesn't allow them to heal and reclaim who they are and reclaim their identity. Now, there are other benefits of not seeing your client as broken and instead holding them as whole and perfect as they are today. And that is when you have an empowered client, that is a client that the jurors can rally behind. They want to get behind winners, as I said in the last episode. They want to come behind someone who has made something of their circumstances, right? We are all a victim of our circumstances. That doesn't mean we, need to, we don't hold people responsible for the things that they've done, but we are all a victim of our circumstances and that is out of our control. What is in our control is how we respond to those circumstances. And so seeing someone respond to their circumstances in an empowering way only helps you in trial. And that brings us to the third thing, that the third benefit, there's many benefits, but they're, you know, provides healing, it helps you at trial, but it also helps you personally, which we're going to talk about in the third episode of this series, in that it removes this sense that you're responsible for all of this, that you somehow have to make it right for the client, right? If your client is broken, on some level, many of you believe it's your job to fix them. Or that money's going to fix them. And if you can't get that money, then, well, we're in trouble and I've failed. So it, it serves you as well in that it really allows you to detach from the outcome of trial and meet the client where they are today. That you can still, let me get, let me be really clear, that you can still be helpful to your client whether you win or lose because you can help them begin to see themselves as whole and perfect right now regardless of a verdict. That's why you are in a helping profession. This is what you do. Will money help? Hell yeah. Will money make our community safer? Yes. Do you have control of whether the jury gives you that money? No. Let's put our control where it makes sense, where we actually have it, where we can help our clients. We can start by changing the conversation. And, and helping our clients see themselves as whole, even though something's been taken away from them. Now, with that, there are some things that you can do. I'm going to give you three of them today. But before we go into these things, I want to be really clear that it is not your job to make your clients feel anything right? So it's not your job to try to make them feel empowered if they don't feel empowered. In fact, your job is to hold them 
as perfect as they are. And as, if they are right now feeling, I will never be the same, my life is over, your job is to let them feel that. I think that's where we get in trouble as coaches. You know, I'm a trained coactive coach. And so much of our training is not rescuing our clients, is to believe that our clients can be with big emotions and be okay. And in fact, those big emotions are part of their process of moving toward a life that they want. So when we start to tell our clients and you start to tell your clients that they shouldn't be feeling what they feel, that disempowers them. And I want to really caution you to not do that. So if your clients are in the space, and many of them are, of my life is over, I'm not the same person, I'll never be the same person, all of the victim stuff, they absolutely have a right to that. And I don't want to suggest any different. Your job isn't to try to get them out of that. Your job is to still hold them as perfect and whole, even as they experience their pain. Because guess what? They are perfect and whole, even if they are experiencing their pain. That is part of the human experience. When we kind try to jump in and rescue and fix, whether that's our spouse or me as a coach with my clients or you with your clients, we are inadvertently sending the message that they need rescuing and that they are broken. I want you to think about that for a minute. When you rescue, you are communicating you need rescuing. Okay, now there are times when people actually need rescuing like drowning, for example. So don't start, you know, taking this to the limit. You know what I'm talking about here. It's like as a parent, when I see my kid hurt herself, my first instinct is to run and make it better. But recognizing that my goal as a parent isn't just to comfort my kid 100% of the time. My goal is to raise an independent human being that knows how to rescue herself. I have to stop myself. I have to let, give her a chance at least to fix it herself, to ask me for help, to stand alongside instead of swoop in and fix it. So one of the best things that you can do for your client is to stand beside them as they feel what they're feeling and provide them a space to feel it as they work through it. That is part of holding them perfect and whole because they, just like the rest of us, have a right to everything they're feeling. Do they not? So here's the three things that you can do to empower your client. The first one is to ask powerful questions. You know, we talk a lot about questions when we're talking about voir dire. And you've, you've, uh, if you haven't, you can go back and listen to the episode on um, the three, thing, three questions you need for follow-up because those are the ones I'm going to talk about here. But this really is switching from information gathering, which of course there's a time for that when you're doing an intake, to really getting to who the client is. And there are three questions that can really help. One's not actually even a question. But one of the questions is, what was that like? Or what is that like? The great thing about that question is it goes to their experience and they get to choose what they want to share. And oftentimes what they choose is what's most relevant and resonant to them. As they speak and they come to a stop, you can use the second one, which is tell me more or tell me about that and let them continue to talk. You can also use the third one, which is how important is or what's important about. So as they tell you about their experience, you can say what's important about not being able to change the light bulb 
in your kitchen anymore. And you know what? With most clients, they'll automatically go to an identity place. Well, because I always did that for my wife. Because that makes me feel like I'm the man of the house or whatever it might be. It always goes back to identity. That's what we're talking about when we talk about what they've lost. They've lost a sense of identity. They become empowered then when they can reclaim at least parts of their old identity or a new identity. So as you are asking these questions and you and and the client is talking, the second thing you can do is listen. You can really, truly listen. And when we talk about listening, I think I also have a podcast episode on this, the three levels of listening, I think it's called, is there's, well, there's three levels of listening. The first one is level one listening. That's when you're listening to yourself and your inner dialogue or monologue, I should say. And so this is where you don't want to be listening. And this is where many of you do listen because you're thinking, how will I use that in trial? That's good. I need to get some discovery on that. I want you to get out of level one listening when you're listening to your client. And I want you to focus on level two listening, which is really focusing your attention fully 100% on your client and what they're saying, what their body movements are, what they look like, what causes them pain, what causes them joy, really tune in. And also access your level three listening, which is what's not being said. What, what, what are you more curious about as you listen to your client? What do you want to know more about? Tune into your level three. That's where things really get good when you're listening to your client. And you can also, the third thing is acknowledge your client. This is the real powerful place. You can't do acknowledgement if you haven't done the first two things, which is ask powerful questions and listen to the answers. Acknowledgement is where you really communicate to your client or anyone else that you see and hear them. So those always start with you, not I. I just think you're so strong. You just made it about you. Start your acknowledgement with you. You are strong. You are powerful. You are. Acknowledge them. Show that you believe they are perfect as they are. Doesn't reduce that something's been taken and that it needs to be given back or compensated for. But you're saying you as you are now are just right. That doesn't mean something wasn't taken and we're not going to go and get it back. But you right now are perfect, just as you are. And you start to change the conversation. Instead of asking what they can't do, you ask, how has this changed them for the better? What have they learned? What's important now? What's no longer important? And you start getting curious. And you start helping them see that they still are them different now but what do they want this life to look like dream with them talk to them once you hear where they are start asking them about where they want to go you know one of the 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 first things I ask my clients in coaching sessions what's your dream what do you want your life to look like many of you who are totally normally I wouldn't say normally you totally have never had an injury. Let's put it that way. You can function with all of your physical abilities. I've never allowed yourself to dream either. 
So dream with your clients. Back them up. Stand beside them. Go, ah, that's going to be great. Now, I'm not suggesting that you become a coach, although I will suggest that coaches training would be wonderful for so many attorneys. Um, But what I am suggesting is that you have a chance to empower your clients by asking them powerful questions, listening to the answers and acknowledging them and really forth dreaming with them about what their future can look like now. Because you get to set the tone at trial and you get to, and it starts with your client. You can't have months, if not years of what they cannot do and how sad this is and then come into trial because you heard Jesse talk about or you heard me talk about how the underdog story is so empowering and all and change, flip the script. It doesn't work that way. It's not authentic. You have to believe it from the beginning. That your client is perfect the way they are and that they are going to overcome and that they have a life ahead of them. And that there are dreams waiting to be realized. You have to believe that in your bones from the beginning. And once you do that, you start to change the narrative. And you start to change it for your client and for yourself. And your client starts to believe that maybe there is life after the injury. You have the power to do that. That's why you're here. Money is secondary. Once you let go of that... And you focus on the healing for your client and holding them as whole and perfect, just as they are. That's when things are going to start to shift for you. So I hope this has been helpful on empowering your client. Ask, listen, acknowledge, and dream. That's really, really what we're talking about when we're talking about empowering your clients. See them as how you hope they see themselves. You really can make a difference. All right, talk soon, my friends. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.